Thanks for tuning in to My Weight Live, the podcast where we talk to medical experts about the latest research and how you can apply it to reaching your best weight. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at myweightwhattoknow.com or search My Weight What to Know on Facebook. We're always posting new articles, videos, and tools that make living a healthy life easier. Did you know that the brain plays a big role in determining when and why we eat? We're talking about hormones, the brain, and the science of weight loss on this episode of My Weight Live. Welcome everybody. Endocrinologist Dr. Domenica Rubino from the Washington Center for Weight Management is here with us tonight sharing how our bodies work when it comes to weight loss and how she helps patients reach their best weight and their best health. Dr. Rubino, thanks so much for joining us tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Hainsley. I'm glad to be here. So let's start off by talking about the basics of how our brain affects our weight. What role does the brain play when it comes to when and why we eat? So primarily the brain is getting what we call hormonal signals. These are chemical signals that come from our bodies and relaying the information, the state of energy. You know, are we hungry? Mm -hmm. Acutely, what we would call right away, do we need to eat right away? but also chronically, what are our stores and fuel and what do we need to do long-term? So it's responding to both of those signals. So what happens when we lose weight? Do the hormones change and how so? Yeah, so what's important to understand is when we lose weight, our brain doesn't say, hey, that's great, you know, <laughs> blood sugar's better, my blood pressure's better, these things are better. No, the brain doesn't say that. The brain says, mayday. All of a sudden, we, d we have less energy than we used to. So it's really important to understand that the brain interprets it as a matter of survival. So we are engineered to hold on to as much energy as possible, so we survive. So what happens is the body starts to burn less, so our metabolism is lowered. Also, hormones that come from the gut and from the fat cells are telling the brain to eat more. We're hungry, so people are hungrier. People also, many, start having cravings. They start thinking about food where they weren't thinking about it before. And in fact, they have PET scans that show after losing weight or being on a calorie deprivation, your brain starts lighting up even with parts of your brain that want certain foods that maybe you never even thought of before. So your brain knows exactly what has the most calories and it goes for it. So this is the problem, right? So we have to understand those differences. Folks, we do this show every month and we want to make sure you never miss an episode. Text the word WAIT to 404-737-0767 and we'll send a short text message to you when we go live. So you'll get all the great information from the interviews we do with physicians, dietitians, and psychologists about reaching a healthier weight. So Dr. Rubino, when we talk about the brain controlling when and why we eat, I think it can be easy to confuse that with the idea that this is just a matter of willpower. We just need to have more willpower. Why is that not the right way to think about it? Well, first of all, it's just silly. Because, I mean, really, our behavior does come from our brain. I mean, that actually drives a lot. But besides this, this question of willpower, what happens is this is very strong physiology. This is survival of the body and the body gets to a new state, whatever that new weight is, and your body's gonna really hold on to that. And I think most people who have struggled with know that. They were a certain weight when they were 20, they got married and then maybe they gained some weight and then they kind of stayed at that weight for a while. Something happened, they had you know, their job changed, they weren't exercising as much, something was different, then they're at this weight for a while. And they know they can stay at that weight for quite some time. They try to push it down and then typically they go up to this next weight and then a little bit, right? And what you're seeing is the physiology, the body trying to say this last weight was a good weight. It is hard for people to understand that. So 
you can try with willpower, but people have been trying with willpower forever. And actually, no matter what your good intentions are, you really can't control physiology. I mean, like one of my colleagues, she always likes to tell people, okay, well, what if I just tell you to ovulate? And we don't have control over our blood. We can't say to our blood sugar, okay, just go into the normal range or our sleep apnea, okay, just clear, let me get some good oxygen tonight. We don't do that with other diseases and conditions. And for some reason, we have all this stigma associated with obesity that somehow we think that it's all in our head. It's in our head, it's in the brain controlling this physiology, but it's not something that we can will our way to happen. Well, I, I'm so glad you, you said that because I, I do think this whole willpower myth or just, you know, eat less and move more, you just need to work harder, contributes to a lot of the stigma that people feel around weight. That's so right. Talk about why someone watching at home who might feel like my weight is my fault, that, that that's just not a reflection of the true situation. So first of all, this concept of it purely being willpower and you can make all these happen is stigmatizing. Yes. And it's shaming. And then what ends up happening is that people internalize that shame. It doesn't help, I can tell you right now, if you have a family member or a spouse or somebody and you're worried about their weight, telling them and reminding them to lose weight all the time doesn't help because it hurts, it's painful, that shame is internalized and it actually has been shown to aggravate certain stress hormones and things that actually are just gonna aggravate the weight situation. And I think it's really, really important to understand that. I think if someone tells you it's just about diet and exercise and you just need to push yourself away from the table or stop eating or just go run a mile or two miles every day, then they don't know what they're talking about. Fundamentally, it's not about willpower, it's about physiology. It's, and it's a physiology that is set into motion once we've gained some weight and when we try to lose weight, the body fights back and then we regain and we regain more and probably most people who have actually struggled with this have had that experience. Exactly. And the body's really fighting you, so it requires chronic treatment, it requires a chronic focus, and also it really requires forgiving yourself and just realizing, okay, I'll accept this physiology, what can I do about it, but not feeling like it's always you, you know, pounding your head against the wall, like, why can't I do it? The truth is 70% of our country's overweight, so, <laughs> it's like 74 minutes of people have no willpower. I mean, that makes no sense. Exactly. No, so. that's exactly right. All right, last question about hormones, yeah. which is, I think a, a lot of us, when we think about hormones driving our weight, our thoughts immediately go to estrogen or other women's health hormones. Yeah. Are those the hormones driving weight? Are there other hormones? Tell us how that works. It is thought that women hold on to weight differently than men do, right? Largely because of reproductive health. We're not gonna get into all of the issues with that, but it does have an impact, yes. Developmentally, it's going to have an impact, especially around perimenopause and menopause, and that's a lot, of, a lot of the women that I see with that. They all come in and say, where did all this come from, right? They become a cube overnight, right? So that's a different situation. The hormones we're talking about today in terms of the brain regulating things, these are hormones coming from the fat cells, gastrointestinal hormones. There's many different hormonal signals that are telling the brain, I'm hungry, I'm full, what's going on? So there's a myriad of hormones that are actually telling the brain about weight. Those are different hormones and they come from what we call the periphery, different organs that are important in relaying energy state information to the brain. And then there's also hormones within the brain that are talking about reward and doing signaling about weight as well. 
So there's a whole lot of action going on from a hormonal standpoint, but there are separate hormones with separate duties, and we learn more about them all the time. All right, Dr. Rubino, so we know that our brain is working against us when it comes to weight loss, Correct. which is why so many people do regain the weight that they lose on a diet. Talk about the treatments that are available that can kind of counteract that those biological processes. Yeah, so I mean, I think there's, you know, two fundamental treatments that are targeting physiology. So one is the development of medications, of which there are many different medications uh, now, and, and we're very excited about the future for more medications, and then also gastric bypass or gastric sleeve. I think what some people don't really realize about the surgeries for weight loss is that you're changing hormones with those surgeries. So I think originally many people thought, and then I think it takes a while for everyone to understand, is that by making the stomach smaller, right, you're just decreasing the amount. But what it actually turns out is with food being delivered farther down into the small intestine, you get different hormones that are then telling the brain, we're full, we're satiated, they regulate sugar, et cetera, all right? So hormones are still involved, even with surgery. There are several different ways that medicines have been targeted to help with weight loss, right? One is just to affect the absorption of food, okay? The other is within the brain called neurotransmitters, which are, are, are signaling basically on the reward pathways or the hunger pathways. And now we're looking at reproducing sort of what we saw with gastric bypass, which is can we make drugs to mimic the gastrointestinal hormone feedback? And that's where we have some, some new drugs that are coming out and being approved. So what's important to understand is that when we're talking about medical treatment, the idea is targeting the physiologic regulation at the level of the brain with medicine. Because there are many people, we have what we call a treatment gap, or in, in, and so we have people who can lose weight with diet and exercise, you know, five to seven percent or so, and some people lose more. There are always individual responses. And then people who lose with surgery, who might lose 25 percent, 30 percent, 35 percent, and then we have everything in between. So the idea has been to actually target physiology with medicine to see if we can narrow that treatment gap and provide more help to other people. I would like to introduce you folks to Lisa Robillard, a very special lady. Let's hear her story. I have been struggling with my weight since I was about 10 years old. In my early 20s, I'd lost a large amount of weight on a, on a commercial diet plan, and that was because I was getting married. That marriage didn't last, nor did the weight loss. Um, so I gained back everything I lost and then some, and that continued to start the up and down, losing, gaining, losing, gaining, um, losing, gaining more. For so long, I believed it was my fault. I believed that I was doing something wrong. Um, when I sought treatment from a doctor, um, I realized there was something beyond that. You know, it's interesting because I, I always felt that there was something inside my head that wasn't right. Why am I always hungry? Why, why is there never enough? Why do I feel like I could eat and then be immediately hungry again? And so having that conversation with a medical professional and having that medication, the cravings were gone. I knew when I was full, which was unheard of for me. And that all started when I started the medical treatment. 
And now, having gone through the treatment that I went through and losing the amount of weight that I lost and being comfortable with who I am, I'm glad I got to this point. I think of all the wasted time that I really wish I had done this sooner. But I'm glad I got here. I'm really glad I got here. Wow, what an amazing story from Lisa. We wish her continued success. Dr. Rubino, what I love about Lisa's story is that she found the right approach for her. Mm -hmm. You know, medical treatment along with, of course, a healthy lifestyle really made the difference. And I guess my question for you is, why is seeking medical attention the right next step for many people struggling with weight? I think it's actually really important for several reasons. I mean, if, you know, for example, with Lisa, she was targeting lifestyle, you know, she found the right medication, et cetera. I think it's important to have all, to have your weight looked at, but also to have all the other coexisting conditions that go along with that treated and optimized. And that's how I practice. So if you have sleep apnea, you should treat your sleep apnea, right? You should undust your CPAP machine, please. Um, but if you, have, if you have that, if you have chronic pain, mobility issues, then maybe you need physical therapy, maybe you need help with that. So the way I look at the optimal treatment is to individualize, to target as a physician, so when you see your physician, optimize the medical conditions you have, right? Because you want to optimize everything. The treatment of obesity doesn't exist in a vacuum, all right? It's not just about here, do this diet and move on. Then you want to talk about medication. How can medication help you? Medication can help you acutely, especially because many folks, if they can't kind of get that traction, you know, they're struggling with hunger, they're struggling with cravings, things are, are really not happening yet. Medication can help and get things going. And I always see it as a nice synergy because it helps the person do all the behavioral things they've been trying to do. And now like all of that kind of comes together. So, you know, ideally, you should work individually with a physician and try to optimize your total care because it's actually about your whole being, your quality of life, et cetera. So I think that's really why I would advise people to see a physician. We hear from so many people who say, you know, I don't need to see a doctor. I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. I know. What would you say to that person watching at home who feels that way? First of all, I think medicine can help if what you say is, I just... I'm having trouble doing it, right? It comes back to the willpower question, right? And many people feel somehow shamed that somehow they can't do it and everybody else can do it. The reality is, is not everybody's doing too well if 70% of our country is overweight, Correct. all right? And it's often very difficult to actually do it. So for my patients who are 50 pounds, 80 pounds, 100 pounds overweight, you're not gonna say, well, go out and just go walk for a half an hour. Many can't because of osteoarthritis or back pain or something like that. So what I would say is what is actually quite helpful is either getting some additional support or even thinking about medicine to help kind of bring all those things together so then you can start to lose weight and, and really is like getting traction and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can do this and the whole thing starts to come together because now with medicine you've actually targeted the physiology that's been fighting you this whole time where you don't see the, you know, you don't see the fruits of your labor because of it, but then when the things come together, it really is optimal for people. I, I think also some people don't realize that 
a doctor can help you do those things you know you need to do. You That's know, correct. I mean, for example, on, on your staff, you have a psychologist. I mean, you're you're looking at the, all the different behaviors that exactly. someone needs. Yeah, so we have a psychologist, we have dietitian, we have an exercise physiologist. So every, we're, we're really looking at all aspects for a given individual. You know, it's important to have that conversation. I mean, sometimes doctors are afraid to initiate a conversation because they're afraid that maybe the person will think that they're judging them or something like that. But I think for the person who really wants to seek help, ask your doctor. And if your doctor feels like they can't really do it or they don't have time or something, maybe they have some resources for you, um, you know, go ahead and be an advocate for yourself and, and realize there's help out there and there's more and more help. And, um, you know, I mean, everybody has different opportunities. For me, I also have clinical research ongoing. So many of our folks, we have found that if they participate in clinical research trials, the dirty little secret is it's easier to do it for, you know, the sake of humanity <laughs> you're, you're and the sake the of science. clinical research. And it's easier than to voting to themselves sometimes. So try to figure out what motivates you. That's the way I look at it. Exactly. And figure out where you can get that help. And there's increasingly amounts of help available and resources where honestly 20 years ago there wasn't as much as there is now. So we've been talking about kind of the biological processes that make us regain the weight that we've lost often. And I think that's really part of what makes excess weight or obesity a chronic disease, just like diabetes or, or high cholesterol. Talk about why the, that reality means that the maintenance phase is just as important as losing the weight. Why? This is, this is a long-term endeavor. No, it's right. And I think what's important is maintenance is actually harder for most people than actually the weight loss phase. Not for everybody, but for many folks. And it does require chronic management. And again, I would say in parallel with the whole willpower thing, many of the people that I work with they, everybody thinks that this is almost like, I have an infection, I take the medicine, and then it's all gone. It's, it's fixed. It's all better, right. right? But the reality is, from everything we talked about already, is this physiology is strong, and it requires ongoing maintenance, all right? So whether that's in the form of checking in with people, or doing various tracking things, or doing various groups that are available, or whether it means using chronic medication to keep your weight at a new place, and therefore keep the other co-morbid conditions or co-conditions that go along with weight at bay, and you don't need medicine for those, that's how we should be thinking about it. We really should think about obesity no different than diabetes or hypertension or hyperlipidemia or even allergies for that matter. I mean, if you stop your allergy medicine in season, what happens? You don't feel good, right? Exactly. So I think it's very important that given the strength of the physiologic regulation and the protection of weight and all of these signals that are telling the brain, hey, we gotta be back here. That understanding that it requires chronic management of some kind, that's important to understand. And that is not a weakness, and that is not a failure. That is reality. So we've heard it said that obesity is associated with 237 other <laughs> medical conditions. Talk yeah. about what those are and how our weight uh, impacts our health in all those ways. So first of all, I am not going to say all 237 <laughs> no, no, no. because it keeps changing all the time. But I think what's important to understand is that so you can break it down into different categories, right? So in one level, it does impact metabolic systems, cardiometabolic systems. So it increases your risk of heart disease, it increases your risk of hypertension or high cholesterol from, you know, and it increases your risk of diabetes, right? And many folks have pre-diabetes 
but actually they don't even realize it. And it is really important, I will say this to the audience, please, if you have prediabetes or your doctor has told you you're borderline, find out what those numbers are and treat it. Because four to nine percent of people per year with prediabetes go on to develop diabetes. And it actually is very important because it's completely underdiagnosed. All right. So anyway, we have these cardiometabolic, you know, diabetes, insulin issues. But then we have, you know, we have things like polycystic ovary disease, we have irregular periods for women, we have, you know, fibroids, there are various cancers now that we know. There's multiple cancers that are associated with obesity. We have a lot of chronic GI type things like reflux and Barrett's esophagus, which can go on to cancer. We also have uh, mechanical things, right? So we have sleep apnea. For women, we have urinary incontinence. That's a problem. You can see it with men too, but primarily uh, with women as well. We see osteoarthritis, which in and of itself, you know, knees, feet pain, hips, etc., and weight loss helps that because it helps our mobility. And we also see, you know, mood impact, right? And we know that there's this bi-directional sort of relationship between depression and obesity, largely probably because of stigma. And oftentimes we do see uh, undiagnosed anxiety. Mood is really important to look at as well. So, you know, when we just break it down to sort of, you know, mechanical, mood, metabolic, and you start from there, there's a lot of things that are impacted by excess weight. Dr. Rubino, thank you so much for sure. joining us tonight. Sure. This has been an absolute uh, pleasure and privilege. So sure. glad thank I can you. help. I hope everyone at home enjoyed it as much as I did and that you learned as much as I did. And we'd like to thank Novo Nordisk for their support of this program. Novo Nordisk is not responsible for the content of the show, nor have they influenced it in any way. I'd like to encourage you to visit truthaboutweight.com to learn more about the science of weight loss. We'll be back with you for another show in a few weeks. I can't wait to see you then. Don't forget to send a text message to 404-737-0767 if you'd like to get alerted when the show starts so you can join in the conversation in the comments. Until then, please take good care and good night.